welcome to episode 86 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Bards. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, hey, Tim, did you know that May is Mental Health Awareness Month? Well, actually, Nathan, I just saw that. Well, you know, we, we haven't really spent a whole lot of time at the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership podcast talking about mental health, but because it's Mental Health Awareness Month, I figure this would be a pretty good day to a pretty good day to start. So the reason that we wanted to talk about this topic today is as an executive director, your ability to effectively run your organization is very dependent on your own health and wellness. And I think, Nathan, we recognize it's not only our physical health, but also our mental and emotional health. The numbers around mental health are just staggering. Oh my gosh. I, yeah, I, I didn't really, I just didn't really realize what the numbers are. And, you know, here in the U S one in five adults experience mental illness and one in 20 U S adults experience serious mental illness. Those, those numbers are, gosh, Tam, those are, those are some big numbers. Well, it's something we definitely need to be talking more about, and especially as it relates to us as executive directors. And Nathan, you and I are not experts on this. We're trying to educate ourselves and take steps forward to understand it for our own ability or for our own experience, but so we can help others as well. So today we've invited a guest to join us on our on our podcast to talk about mental health. And we're going to be joined by Brittany Richmond. And Brittany is a sought-after student influencer and a popular youth mental health speaker. She has uh, education around, around this. She's been a counselor. She's worked on a lot of different things around mental health. But she also, in working with you, she's given presentations across the country at conferences, conventions, school assemblies, and other student events. And she's one of only about 15 active women speakers in the youth market today. But Nathan, one of the things I've appreciated as we talked to Brittany, uh, she really understands the nonprofit sector and understands the challenge that nonprofit directors uh, struggle with when it comes to mental health. So we're really excited for her to be a part of, uh, of our podcast today. And I know you've got a special connection to her that we'll talk about in our conversation. So let's join our conversation with Brittany Richmond. I know, Brittany, there's some things that we really connect on, like uh, the fact that you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan, although that's not saying much right now. And uh, Man, it's <laughs> tough to be a Cardinals fan right now. And also, we have a core value here at the podcast, which is uh, our coffee. We love coffee. So uh, we're in good company with you, and we're so glad that you've taken some time to uh, to be with us today, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. And it's still early in the season. So everybody calm down. Everybody calm down. So. <laughs> that's, that's encouraging. Wise, wise words. <laughs> that's encouraging. <laughs> you have a special connection to Brittany, right? That's how she's ended up. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, that's how we're connected to Brittany. And uh, we were trying to figure out before the show when, when we first met, but uh, the Brittany was at the time was working at, at a, as a personal trainer at the gym that my, uh, miss and I, and our kids belong to. And it was at, at that time, you got three free training sessions, uh, for your birthday month. 
And I'd never worked with a, a personal trainer before. And I was at the time, we're, we're still not sure exactly how many years ago it was. I was definitely in my 40s at the time. And, uh, you know, it just it was it was time to uh, start looking at nutrition and and my overall health and, you know, working out. And I, I didn't when my wife brought a, a jar to me, I wanted to be able to open it. I didn't want to struggle with it. And so anyway, so I decided to do something about it. And I signed up for my three free things. And in in the door, walk Brittany. And uh, we've been connected ever since. And she's, uh, I am still lifting today. I'm still working out. I'm still working on my nutrition. Brittany, that all started because of you. Oh, I appreciate that. I still do the things too. And yeah, that's kind of scary. So are you saying you're not in your forties anymore? Is that what you're telling everybody? Uh, Not not even close. (laughs) Let's say I'm a lot closer to 60 than I am 40. (laughs) I can't believe it's been that many years that that blows my mind. That's a whole other life, whole other life. Crazy. Well, you still look exactly the way you did back then when I first met you, you haven't changed a bit. Well, that's good to know. (laughs) So, all right, well, let's get going here. Um, First question. Um, And let's just, we'll do it simple to get us started. Brittany, what is the definition of good mental health? You know, I, I personally feel that answer is a little subjective, right? It's like, it's all in the eyes of the beholder as to what good mental health is. But I mean, really, in reality, it's a it's about, you know, being able to go through life on a day-to-day as a happy, healthy human being. I mean, truly mental health, like physical health, it's a spectrum, right? So, I mean, some days you feel better than other days. So it's a difficult question, but I think people, if they reflect inward, they should ask themselves what good mental health looks like for them. And that kind of helps us like make those personal plans, much like physical health. Not everything works for everybody the same way. It's the same way with mental health too. And, and for the listeners, uh, you know, I am a former school counselor turned speaker. So I have a master's degree in behavioral psychology. Um, so that is my background with mental health. So I just want to get them a little insight into, into that. So yeah. is mental health and emotional health the same or is that different? I think they're, they're very much, they're not mutually exclusive in my opinion. I think that they, they affect each other, but I think they can exist independently also. I guess, Brittany, is is mental health, like having a good sense of mental health, being able to navigate life, like being able to to get through the things that come come to us, the challenges, both good and bad. How does mental health fit into just navigating life? I really want to create that 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 mental correlation with the physical health for people so they can kind of like put themselves in it as to what that looks like. But I just want to be clear, especially with people who are, you know, stepping into these leadership positions potentially for the first time. I think we have an unhealthy culture with hustle mentality. Mm-hmm. And I really need to reiterate that rest and recovery is actually when muscle growth occurs the most. So the same is with your mental and emotional health. As a leader, if you do not disconnect and take time to recover and rest, it can actually be detrimental to your health and affect you in all aspects of your life. So I really think like just that whole stepping back from that, that, that toxic hustle mentality. Like I do believe that you should hustle as a leader and you should definitely hustle as an entrepreneur and all these other positions, correct? But like really recognizing when it's time to take a step back, because if we don't, 
then that can actually set us back, you know, in our progress as a leader. So, yeah, I, actually this came up. I, I was thinking about this the other day and so much of our, my, my history and, and coming up through all of my work has been other than working for my family business when I was a kid coming out of college and then went into uh, fundraising and nonprofit work in my early twenties and have been there ever since. And as I've as I've climbed up in in more and more uh, responsibility within the organizations that I served, there was always this sense of of at work in you know your butt in the seat uh, behind the desk equated to work output. So if you know if you work ten hours a day, well, automatically you were better than if you went home after eight hours a day. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Is it, it's not that's not the that's not the metric that you should be using. Correct. I think that. Oh gosh, I mean, look at what uh, you know. The recent years of people working from home so much have shown us that people can be just as, if not more, productive the less time that they're working, and when they have time to like get up and go for a walk at lunch, or do their laundry, or do their dishes, or take care of their home, like whatever it may be. When we have structured, intentional time. Versus, and and I don't believe in in time management because I don't think we can manage time because it is it's it's just a resource that just comes and it just goes. But I think that we can manipulate our time, you know, and really be intentional about those blocks of work. And the same thing comes with being a leader and 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 any job that you're in, really. Like as long as you set aside intentional time. But again, the intentional time comes from disconnecting too, and and rest and recovery, and you can see productivity in those pockets of time. So. Yeah, essentially, yes. Just because I'm here 10 hours a day does not mean I did anything productive. <laughs> so it <just laughs> does not mean that. <laughs> so. Exactly. What are some ideas, Brittany, about how do I build some of that into my into my life as a leader? How do I disconnect? What what does that look like in the midst of a lot of carrying a lot of uh, heavy pressure. load, I guess? Yeah, a lot of pressure. Well, I mean, I want to go on record too and say that there are definitely seasons of business, right? Seasons of business that require more energy and more time commitment. But I still mm-hmm. think within the, that time commitment and that energy can be very intentional. I mean, really, first and foremost is to really understand like the urgent tasks ver- versus the important ones, you know, creating to-do lists and to not do lists. I think that's really mm-hmm. important too. We often create the list of stuff we have to do, but what are the things we do not need to be doing? Like, don't do those things. And oftentimes we do those things because we feel productive because it's busy work and like, look at all this I got done, but like nothing moved my business or my leadership or anything forward. I did all like the busy things to make it look like I did something. Um, and I know like with limited staff and, you know, lack of a PA or secretarial help can can put the load on us, but there's still options to to delegate to people that that we that do work for us and delegate those busy tasks that are not necessary for us. But prioritizing, prioritizing, creating habits and routines, those can change as the business grows or staff grows or whatever that looks like for the individual. But again, what are the tasks that need to occur today to move this forward? And what are the things that do not? And if I get to them, great. And if not, it does not affect you know me or my business. And I think that Again, oftentimes we just do the things that we feel like we either can't control because we're human beings and we're problem solvers by nature. And we're like, 
Ooh, I want to control these things. It's like, actually, you can't. That's why they're called uncontrollables, right? <laughs> so focus on the things that we can do, you know, to move ourselves and, and move the business forward. Um, you do a lot of work uh, with youth, uh, high school kids, um, and especially, I think that's uh, uh, one of your primary focuses. Is uh, mental health, emotional health, um, adults and children, youth, is it the same or is it different? I, I think it translates the same. I think that stressors and things that, that worry and cause distress in our youth are different and, and, and sometimes very similar. I mean, think about the things that cause us stress, like work, relationships, time, energy. I mean, saying yes when we should say no, setting boundaries. I mean, all these things are, they just, they're, they transfer as we grow into an adult. And um, sometimes when I'm working with youth, the, the, when I'm talking to them, because I'm clearly an adult, I mean, kind of not really, but I mean, I guess by age standards, you would consider me an adult, but um, <laughs> oftentimes we experience mental or emotional distress differently and we cope with it differently as well. I think sometimes often, even like with the way that that question is framed, we we often talk about the distress part of mental health and we don't talk enough about how we cope with it. I think that's a narrative that we don't talk about enough. Um, and I, I try to reiterate to, cause I do speak to some adults, right. But I mostly focus on youth, but that's because, you know, at, at, when they're young, you know, our brains are that part of our brain that can rationalize and see big picture isn't even fully developed till we're like 23 or 24 years old. So this, this is the part where we see so many young people struggling is because they can't get past what's happening in the moment, right. Like mentally and emotionally. So we have to help guide them through that. So when you're talking to an adult, that's a huge difference, right? Because we can say to an adult, you know, to get through it, you have to go through it, right? You have to go through it. You say that to a young person and they're like, oh my God, that sounds like the worst thing ever. You know, it just, they can't see past it. So there's a big difference there in terms of just our neurological development on how we process things. Well, I think some of that is, you know, you look at social media, whether it's whatever, whatever platform it is. And for a lot of, of adults in, in the, the workforce and, and in our nonprofit executive directors and other leaders be probably LinkedIn is, is probably one of the primary uh, social media <clears throat> platforms, but either way, it doesn't make a difference what platform it is. All you see is people succeeding and, you know, vacations and brand new cars and, and, oh my gosh, that family is like the most beautiful family on the planet. And what the heck? What, you know, I'm, I'm falling behind faster and faster and faster, and that's not any good. So I, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of that goes back to, to that. Yeah. Oh gosh. Comparisons across the board. Adults are just as bad at that. Right. Like, let me tell you one of the best things I've ever been told. That was one of the best things I ever did for my mental health was put, do not disturb on my phone. And I really think if people examine their screen time, like think of all the time and energy we sit there comparing ourselves to other people. Like you see leaders looking at other leaders, like I'll never be John Maxwell. Well, I'm not sure anybody will be, you know, like, but why would I want to be him when I could be me? You know, like what mark are you making in the world? I mean, I heard uh, a good friend of mine, Rory Vaden, he's, he's the CEO and founder of Brand Builders, this organization. And he said, that if we exploited our uniqueness in the service of others, 
then we would be able to make such an impact. And think about when we're comparing ourselves to other people, we're so focused on that, that subconsciously we're like turning into them. It's working for them. So ergo, I'm going to do it. It's like, that's not even being authentic. So think about the mental and emotional stress that that causes when you're trying to be somebody else. Like you're trying to do things that are not aligned with you, like your passion and your purpose, especially these nonprofit leaders and executive leaders. Why are you here? You have a purpose. You stepped into this space because you wanted to serve other people with your leadership. So if you focus on that servant leadership and took the pressure off yourself and spent time like rising other people up, lifting them up, which ergo lifts you up. I mean, the business is just going to thrive when you when you pour into the people that that you're serving. I'm I'm feeling better about myself already. I'm this way, Brittany. I I I'm always kind of trying to find the latest best thing. You know, whether it's the greatest app or whatever, just to help me be more productive or to do something. And I feel like I feel like things are changing so quickly that we're almost to the point where it's hard for us to handle change. It's almost gone beyond what we can actually cope with. And I feel like that puts extra pressure and stress on us sometimes as well. Sure. I, I suffer from shiny object syndrome myself, right? I think that's, that's just the human condition in and of itself also too. Like we want that fun, new, exciting thing. That's going to make me even more amazing, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's what we perceive to be true. But I mean, really something that won't ever change is, you know, customer service and serving other people and making sure that we're doing right by the people that we are helping Because that's the piece that I feel like often in business in general, we don't see a whole lot anymore. I mean, we we just don't see a lot of communication. We don't see a lot of customer care. We don't see a lot of, you know, even down to the simple things of holding the door open for somebody else. We just don't see things like that, that now set us apart, that that used to be the standard. Hmm. So when when we're out there looking at all that we could be doing, why don't we focus on the person that we're serving? You know, like maybe if that, maybe that's the difference that that really is going to matter. You kind of touched on this a little bit ago, but um, what is the connection between like physical health and mental health? Is there, is there a, a connection there? Are there things that we could do physically that contributes to more positivity in our mental health? What, what's your thought on that? Well, we do know that physical movement changes the physiology of the brain um, due to the, you know, the endorphins and, and all the the nice little good juices that get released when we're moving. That doesn't mean you have to do insanity like Nathan does. Okay. Nobody needs to go around doing box jumps and burpees and killing themselves. <laughs> Disclaimer, please don't do that. Like, don't come for the podcast. But I do think that's why midday walks like this, this ability to actually get up from your desk and move. I mean, people, there are so many different benefits, not only when you feel good, you know, you feel good all around, right? Not just mentally and emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the things when things are aligned. Now, that being said, I do not believe in balance or anything like that. I don't think that that could ever occur. I think we stress about creating balance. Ergo, we feel more stress, right? I think that. But <laughs> I, I do think that you can create harmony, which which implies that things are at different levels. They just work together, right? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a harmony that can be created. And with the physical aspect, there's also that that emotional aspect too of being with your family, being with people you care about. I mean, all of these things 
can coexist and they, and they work so well together that, you know, and, and it's all, I really do want to say too, that it's also okay to have bad days. I think, I don't think we talk about that enough either, Hmm. um, that it's okay to have days where nothing productive happens. It's okay to have days where you don't show up a hundred percent. And I mean, I think that's also good. There has to be a yin and a yang, right? There's otherwise we wouldn't know what good was. Right. And, I think that once we recognize that and give ourselves grace, which is a practice and gratitude and understanding and just appreciating where we've been, um, there's this amazing book called um, The Gap and the Gain by Dan Sullivan. It's it's a fantastic book for leaders and I highly recommend it. And it talks about how, how when we get fur, farther in our business and our career and personally, we often forget like to look back and see how far we've gone. That's how we measure progress is by looking backwards, not forwards. And oftentimes we get where we are and we still don't feel like it's enough, you know, but in the reality, look at what you've done. Like, look at what you've done here. And I think that especially new executive leaders or young executive leaders, that can be really hard because we're comparing ourselves to other people or we don't feel like we're doing enough or we're not being successful, but look at where you've come. Look at how far you've gone. Appreciate that. Have gratitude for that. Understand the gap and then understand the gain. So I definitely recommend that book for for new and emerging leaders. And with that statement alone, personal development, like always working on your mindset. I think that is also key to mental and emotional health is you've got to fuel your mind. Even if it's with certain podcasts, this podcast, it doesn't have to be a book, right? You just have to constantly want to be working on your mind. That is a muscle just like the physical, right? So that's a, that's a really strong connection too. We don't just wake up and we're amazing leaders. We work at it, right? Every single day we work at being the better version of ourselves to, to continue again, to serve the people that we're there to serve. So that's kind of why we call this the practice of nonprofit leadership, because it is a practice that it's something we continue to yeah. give ourselves as well. Nathan. Uh, Brittany, that uh, three minute monologue gave me like 10 questions and I was listening and I didn't write any of them down. Uh, um, So you're saying that it would be okay for an executive director to take their calendar and block out a 30 minute, uh, 40 minute, 30 minute, whatever, 20 minute uh, meeting in their calendar every day. And that meeting is to get outside and go for a walk. Yeah. Why wouldn't you keep a meeting with yourself? Like, why wouldn't you make that commitment above all the meetings that you have? You couldn't have one with yourself. Like that to me is the most important meeting, right? Like I need to show up for me right now so I can continue to show up for other people. And I, I, battle test that. I think that's a really cool thing to do for leaders is battle test it. Don't just take our word for it. Don't just take someone's word for it. Don't just read it in a book. Do it yourself. Do it for a couple of days. See how you feel. See if it changed your productivity. See how it made you feel. Because again, just because it works for somebody else, it may not work for you. It may be something else. I mean, there's a reason why every single successful person that wrote a book about being successful tells you their habits and routines at the beginning of the book. This is what I do every single day before I show up for work. I make my bed. I eat a breakfast. I work out. I do these things. There are certain habits and rituals and routines that have been battle tested for them that that work for their leadership style. So yes, give yourself the the ability to to test these things and try them out for yourself. But not doing something like not doing something like what are what are what are the options here? Like not do something and ugh, you know both are hard to do 
right? It's hard not to show up for yourself and it's hard to show up for yourself. So choose your heart. So. Right. Which, yeah. But which pain would you rather have? Exactly. Uh, you know, and so much of, I've been, uh, I've been lifting now, um, since you got me started, uh, so many years ago, Brittany, and I, I continue to do it. And I'm, uh, like I said earlier, I'm closer to 60 than I am to 40. And so I can't, I can't lift at the, uh, at the accelerated pace that I used to, uh, you know, I used to go every other day and now I just, my body just can't take it anymore. Uh, but I do, uh, you know, I try to go every, every three days and everything I've ever read, any book, any self-help book, anything always said, do your exercise in the morning. And that doesn't work for me. It has never worked for me. My time is is late afternoon, 3 34, sure. 5, whatever. That is my time. That's when my body says, All right, it's time to move. And 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 you said that a little bit ago, and I had never thought of it, is you've got to give yourself permission to experiment and try things and do what is good for you because it's not cookie cutter. It's not the same for everybody. 100%. And what happens when people read those books and say, well, obviously this person was successful, so I should probably do this too, even though I hate it. And it actually puts me in a bad mood and <laughs> it doesn't make me more productive. I mean, then they feel like they failed. Like, oh, I clearly won't be successful because this person does it in there. You know, it's, but again, it's just about the way we cope with things is different. How we experience things is different. This is a guide, right? Like this is what someone is sharing with you that has worked for them. And sharing is definitely caring. But what they fail to say sometimes in these books is try it. If it doesn't work for you, adjust it, adapt. That is one of your strongest assets as a leader is learning to adapt, right? So learn that skill with your own habits and routines. Yeah. I think in a lot of things, Brittany, isn't it? It's having an awareness of yourself, isn't it? Like what, you know, when I'm feeling great, what goes into that? You know, when, when am I really struggling? What are the circumstances? I think it's trying to be aware, experiment on a couple of things and then write it down or do something, but be aware of what's yeah. going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I do not meditate. I don't do yoga. Oh my God. If one more person tells me to do some sort of deep breathing, I'm going to lose it. Like I, not all of this stuff works for everybody, right? Like that sounds terrible for me. Now there are certain things I do that, that I love that keep me emotionally and mentally well, that other people are like, that's weird, but that's okay. You know, these, these are things that I have battle tested. So <laughs> well, that actually leads us into our next question. And that is um, knowing that everybody's got to figure out how, what works for them. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? What, what are a couple of easy, simple things that you would suggest for maybe somebody who's never actually took, taken the time to, to dive into this for themselves? How, how do you even get started doing this? Well, I do believe in an exchange and, and this is something I talk about with my teenagers too. And it's totally applicable to adults is we need to examine. And I always tell them like, think of it this way. Think of like January 1st, everyone sets like a weight loss goal or like go January 1st. Do you know why a lot of people fail at this? It's because they change too many things at one time. They change everything. They they purge their house of food. They get a gym membership. They go five days a week. They totally change. They get up at a different, I mean, they're changing too many ritual habits at, at one time. So it becomes overwhelming. And, and when we start to 
you know, kind of slack on those habits, those, those behaviors that we've changed, we feel like we failed. So we just scrap the whole thing. So I always say, add one behavior that serves you, but also remove one that does not. So there's an exchange there. So think of all the things that you do in your day-to-day life. Think of something that you want to start implementing. Maybe it is that 30 minute walk in the afternoon. Great. That's awesome. Let's do it just for a week. Just for a week, don't change anything else. Don't add any other behaviors. Just do that one and then get feedback from that. But also at the same time, remove a behavior that does not serve you. Maybe it's drinking soda every day, or maybe it's drinking six cups of coffee every morning. Like I I don't know what it would be for you, but something that does not serve you, right? And just exchange, add that one behavior and remove that one behavior. And instead of piling on all these behaviors we want to add, it can be overwhelming when we're not taking away things as well. And, and one is way easier to handle than like five or six behaviors changing at one time. So definitely with people, you know, starting to experiment as to what works for them and what makes them happy and healthy is to select one behavior and remove one. Now, that doesn't mean in your mind. I do believe that you have to schedule intentional time. So that means getting out your planner, whether it's on your phone or your calendar that I was bad at double booking at today, but also like your (laughs) physical planner, whatever it may be, and write it down and show up for yourself. Like make a commitment. You're a leader. People look to you. Lead by example. And a lot of that comes with how we lead ourselves. If you can't lead yourself, like that's something you need to have a conversation with yourself about. So this is about gaining self-awareness and understanding about your own personal integrity with yourself, right? So definitely adding that one behavior that serves you and they have to be healthy, right? Healthy behaviors. And then removing the one behavior that does not. Brittany, I know we have to begin to wrap up here, but uh, here's a question that we had talked about before we came on. And that was as an executive director, I know I want to work on myself, but how do I help mental health, good mental health be a priority for our organization, for our staff, for our volunteers? How can I, how can I create that uh, culture that values that and makes it and encourages it? Care more about who they are than what they do. Yeah. Care more about who your employee is as a person than what they do for you at your, at your workplace. And I mean, that looks different for everybody as well. But to me, when I experience that type of culture, um, it, it, it really does create a lot of autonomy. It creates a lot of ownership. It creates a lot of feeling like it's and empowering them to treat it like their own business, right? And I, I really think there's value in in working with the human being and not the employee. I mean, I've had conversations with my boss. We we've shown up together and we've talked about nothing about work, right? He's talked about my speaking and and all this other stuff, and it's just like it's like okay, great, thanks, thanks. You're doing great. See you later. I mean, it's caring more about who we are, what we do. And this is down to the little things too. It's just the little things that make all the difference. Like happy birthday. I know it's your birthday, like knowing your employees' birthdays, you know, or caring about their family lives. I mean, these full on conversations about how to connect with your employees. There's a very simple way to do that. And it's actually how I get teenagers to talk about mental health. It's the same way to start a conversation. You're sitting there talking to an employee and I challenge all executive leaders to try this, put your, make this a challenge for yourself. Ask an employee how their day is going. And if they say good or, you know, at a answer, just keep following up with the three words. Tell me more. Tell me more. 
And then, oh, well, uh, you know, it started my day off, had a great breakfast, saw my husband. It was great. Tell me more. Tell me more. It's such an incredible, powerful statement um, because it implies active listening. You know, you're actively listening to them, which is a huge skill as a leader, but you're also caring more to know than just surface level. And that's going to resonate to the employee like, whoa, uh, yeah. And then these are things that you can you can lean on later if you need to. But I have been, I mean, conversations before with people where it started off like a surface level thing and we got real deep, real quick into, wow, I had no idea. But just because I kept saying, tell me more. We got down to like the real, you know, nuts and bolts of what was going on. It doesn't have to be something bad or something good. But when you're talking about caring and serving other people, know them, listen to them there. And again, pour into them because the more you do, the more the business is going to thrive and the more you're going to thrive as a leader. Well, Brittany, um, I know, uh, I know you've got another uh, event you have to run off to, and I wish, uh, I wish we had another hour and a half. Cause I think you've created more questions in me than when we started. <laughs> Uh, we can but, always do a part two. We can always do a part we, two. We can do that. We can do a follow-up. Thank you very much for coming and being on the show. It was a great time. And uh, we. I think we'll probably definitely have you back in the future. I would appreciate it. It was super fun, y'all. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for listening today. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information can be found in the show notes. That's all for today. Until next time.